We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, this is Jowson, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and this is going to be Romantic Truth Plus, raunchy edition. Well, Here's the thing, I'm not going to gross you out, folks, but I am going to address some things that pertain to relationships and dating that we need to have a nitty-gritty view, because a lot of us are delusional. Let's first start with women who brag about how good they are in bed in comparison to men who do the same. The problem for most men who brag about how good they are in bed is that they're hoping that they will be able to perform. They're hoping that they won't go soft. Now, a lot of women think that, oh, because he's being exposed to a vagina, he's going to stay hard. That's not always the case, ladies. I could tell many of you that it depends on believe it or not his perception of you and the way he sees you not only visit visually but the way he sees you emotionally I know many of you think that men are soulless and therefore the only thing we do is just get our dick hard and just go in you and then we're done for some of us yeah but you gotta remember there's some guys who have not been with a woman in so long. This is the reason why they'll sleep with any woman. They don't care. So, you know, when you hear this thing about how guys will just sleep with anybody, they're not lying because these guys will sleep with anybody because of one fundamental reason. They haven't been able to sleep with anyone else. So it's more of desperation for some guys than it is about practicality. So the guy will go and screw the fat chick, the woman that's old, the woman that doesn't have a shape, the woman that has no teeth, it doesn't matter. Now, just like with anything else, you have a strata, right? Take for instance on the female side. For the most most part, a woman can sleep with anyone she chooses. However, and that's basically based on one thing. That's based on the fact that she has a vagina. And as men, we value that. So what that means is, depending on the combination she has put together for herself, puts in certain rankings with that vagina. So if she's attractive, she's at the top of the pinnacle. She's attractive and smart. She's at the top of the pinnacle. She's attractive without a shape. She's still on that graduated scale, but not so high. 
She's not so attractive, but has a hell of a shape. She's underneath. She's not that far down. She's unattractive and does not have a shape. And this is the way some men gauge it. In those five categories. Pretty smart. Pretty. Mediocre. Meaning that she has a nice face, but no body. Subpar face, nice body. None of the above at the bottom. I'm just telling you the way men rate you, ladies. We'd never tell you this. This is what many guys do with you. Now, chauvinistic, yes it is. But, by the same token, ladies, you do the same thing to us. You put us in certain categories. You look at the earner, the working Joe. That's the guy you can tell what to do. You can take his paycheck and tell him he has to work overtime to pay for the credit card bills you ran up, and he'll do it without anything, without any rebuttal. He's more or less your human lapdog. He'll never give you any pushback on anything, and he'll be thankful to be with you. This guy is loyal, but he is not someone you respect. He is not your ideal man by no stretch. Because he doesn't challenge you. Each of you ladies have a certain preference when it comes down to men. That includes sexual preference. Some of you women want girth and length when it comes down to his penis. Many of you just want to stick with girth. You're not that deep, but you're wide. There are others of you who are deep and not so wide. Like fairies. And sometimes you make presumptions on that man based on that premise. I had a lady tell me once that the reason why she dated me was because I was thin. And she says, usually thin men have big dicks. She just got fortunate that time. But for the most part, you have some women who have that mindset. Nothing's wrong with that, ladies. You have your own preconceived notions. Men do as well. When we see a woman with a big butt, we know right off the bat. You might have to have your penis at a certain length unless you use certain angles. But one thing that most guys won't do, if you are a woman with an ample booty and he's short, I mean down there, he may not want to deal with you. And the reason being, he would not be able to penetrate you beyond that globe. But like I always say, women will make it work. They will figure out a way. If a woman is into you, fellas, I don't care if you only have a three-inch penis, she'll figure out a way to get an orgasm from that three-inch penis. She'll make it work. And the reason being, women are very determined when it's someone that they want to be with 
and they want to please and not necessarily appease, well, they're gonna go, they're gonna go that extra mile. Now, there are a couple other things, ladies, that you have to consider with us men. Men are insecure for the most part when it comes down to their penis. Now, here's the thing. We get told by women after we have sex with them whether we have a big dick or not. Now, that segment with Kevin Samuels, when he's asking this guy, does he have a big dick? That's very odd because men never ask other men about their penis. That's against total guy code right there. That right there, that's some Atlanta shit or some other, we don't do that. I don't know any man, even, I don't know any man that does that. And what that means is, it gets us to a point where we have to ask that question. When a man is asking you that, does he have an interest in that way? Because see, usually women will tell men, oh, you had some good dick, it was a big dick, I'm sore. Sometimes they're exaggerating in order to make the small guy feel good, other times, they tell the truth. And guys, you know when they're telling the truth, when they get mad at your ass when you want to have sex with them again and you have a big dick. They were like, no, you ain't touching me for a couple of days. Not until the swelling goes down. But here's the thing. If it's a mutually gratifying situation, that woman is going to lay there and take that pain. Because here it is, what's going to happen is that pain is also going to feel good to her. And it's not about you forcing yourself in her and all that other stuff. It's about even though she's telling you that she's sore, guess what she's doing? She's laying on her back, guiding her penis, guiding your penis right in between her legs once again. And she'll say something like, I just want you to put it in. Just just let it sit there. She said, don't even move. Just let it sit there. And she'll try her muscles and everything in the world to milk it for whatever she could. Because even though it's painful for her, or uncomfortable, I should say, from what I've been told by many of the ladies I've been with, they like the fact that now they've adjusted to the fit and then they can go to sleep. Fellas, when you find a woman that you can have sex with and she really loves the fit of you inside her, let me tell you something about that lady. If you cheat on her, she gonna fuck you up. She really does not want anyone else to have that part of you because that is hers and she'd want to make that abundantly clear because see once you have that fit and this is what a lot of women look for this is the reason why a lot of women will say yeah well you know I was with him and we dated but 
A lot of times they had to do with that. If his dick is too big and it hurting him. And he's walking around beating his chest. I'm like, yeah, dick too big. Well, dick too big, but guess what? You missed out on a good woman because you didn't listen to her. When she said you were too big, you should have worked with her a little bit. Where? She could have made it more comfortable for her and you would have had that relationship with her. A lot of guys don't think that way because they get that ego stroked. Until they find that one woman that they can't really do that shit with. I remember one lady that I used to date. name was Gloria. She was half Puerto Rican and half Brazilian. And one night, we got together. And she told me, she says, um, I'm going to show you something. And you tell me what you think. We had gotten a little tipsy and we were in the bed. So she straddled me. And she put my tip right at the opening of her vagina. And this woman used nothing but her vaginal muscles to walk me inside of her. And it was weird as hell. It felt like there were people just pulling me there. And the thing was, I never had nothing like that done before. And this is before I was getting ready to go overseas. So, by far, I'd never experienced anything like that. And hell, after we finished, I was kind of lost. I was like, I didn't know how the fuck I felt. And what I had to come to grips with was this. And like she told me, she said, I'm in tune with my body. I know my body like the back of my hand. She says, what I just did to you, you probably didn't know your body. And she said, you see, I made you go without moving my pelvis, my hips, or anything, just by me. And I was like, yeah, that's impressive. Then she rolled over on her back and she says, you know, I want a commitment from you. And I told her, well, you know, I'm going in the military soon. So I don't know if marriage would be the right thing for us. And so we both agreed that we would just date until I left for the service. And we did, and we had a wonderful time together. She came over to see me one time when I was overseas. And I thought it was really nice of her because she had literally saved up her money and flew over to see me. And at that time, I was thinking about marrying her, and she was like, you know, I don't think that would be a good idea. She said, because uh, I've grown a little bit, and there's some things I want to do in life. And she wasn't kidding. She got back to the States, took out a loan and went to law school, did very well for herself. And now I believe she works with some kind of um, 
like environmental protection type of uh, organization. But she was really a sweet person. And when I say this, folks, what I'm looking at is from the standpoint of just because we have this sexuality between us, women and men, it's not a bad thing, it's not a taboo thing. It's something that's real and tangible. Now, another thing I need to address. A lot of you write in and wonder, well, how do you expect to buy someone to date when you're exposing past relationships? First of all, all of the people that I talk about, I've already cleared what I was going to share with you with them first. They were uncomfortable with it. They knew up front. But you notice, I don't use names for a reason, unless they want me to. They have a right to their privacy and dignity. And many of them, when they hear me retell the situation, they contact me back and they say, damn, we were crazy back then. Oh, we did that back then. And remember this, and they bring something else up. And it's like, whoa, we're not going to share that. <laughs> but this is the way it happens. But see, these were people who were competent and confident in what they did. They were competent in the decisions they made. And they were confident, confident about the situations they made. And some actually made some poor decisions, but thought they did the right thing. Let me give you an example. I took Monica on a date one time. I think we were going to Manhattan Beach. A water skiing class. That's what we were going to take. She had a little life vest on and everything. And I had mine on. So she takes off. She doesn't really know how to do water skiing. And needless to say, I just see the skis flap in the air. And I see my girlfriend's face dragging over the surface of the ocean. All right. Me, of course, being the man, thinking I've watched enough movies on this, I'm down in the water, unlike where she was, standing upright on top of the uh, skis. So I'm in the water, and I got my skis pointed up, and I'm ready and positioned. Boat takes off. I go up in the air. I do a somersault, face plant, right on the hard surface of the ocean. Let me tell you, that water hurt like hell. It felt like I had hit a concrete block. And for those of you who don't know, water has the same density of concrete when you fall from a distance. As it was messed up, you hit the water first, then you sink. 
And of course, Monica wouldn't let me live it down. She was laughing and she says, yeah, at least my face was dug on the surface of the ocean. You, on the other hand, it took you up in the air and then dropped your ass face down. It was bad. It was embarrassing. But it was a fun date. Regina laughed her ass off. And it was one of those things, ego was bruised a bit, but that was all right. Because I knew that, for one thing, we both were out of our league on something. And we both got taught a lesson. I forgot where we were. We were somewhere and we got on tortoises and we had a tortoise race. My tortoise got halfway, ate a piece of lettuce, closed back up in the shell, and he didn't come out for the rest of the race. So I had to go find another tortoise to sit on. These were fun times that we had together. So I don't mind sharing those with you and some of the tougher times with others. But trust me, I clear everything before I share it. Because that's important. No one likes their personal lives being put out there with their name associated with them. Now let's carry forward. Some of you ladies also deal with another challenging situation that we're going to talk about in just a moment. The one challenge for most women is after they have sex with their partner for the first time, several things that they consider. One, what am I doing? That's usually the first question a woman asks herself the first time she sleeps with a guy. The second question, I can't believe I did it. What was I thinking? Third question. Oh my God, he's probably going to think of me as a whore. Next question. Should I see this guy again or not? Question. Fifth question. Who else will know? Now, here's the thing. Usually these flurry of questions come into a woman's head. If she slept with a guy on the first date or slept with them too soon when she was maybe not emotionally or morally comfortable to sleep with them. I have had to console a lot of women in the past who did this prematurely. They'd be with me. Well, you think I'm a whore? And they start crying. No, I don't. Mm-mm. I remember one lady I was with. She got up, put on a robe, turned on the TV, trying to wipe away the tears. And she says, I know you think I'm a whore. You think I'm a loose woman. You think I'm a whore. And I'm like, no, I don't. 
it, it was funny because she stayed up and watched TV for about 30 minutes, came back to bed, took off her clothes, laid on top of me, put me inside of her, and started kissing me once again. See, sometimes they have that raw guilt that they don't know how to contend with. And it has nothing to do with anything that they're doing wrong. It has to do with that guilt assigned to them because of their gender. Women carry a heavy burden for this. You're supposed to be viewed as being moralistic. A person who carries the morality of the relationship on her shoulders, which is really unjust. They expect you to be superhuman. They expect you to go have children, grow old, rear the grandkids and die. And throughout the rest of your life you have no sexual um, desires. We know that is something that's very far from the truth. Ladies, here's what I will tell you. Quit holding yourself accountable to society when it comes down to you wanting to physically express your emotions about a person. Because I'm going to tell you, if you sleep with a man, no matter when you do it, He's not going to call you a whore for one reason. Because he knows that there is more than likely the possibility of him sleeping with you again. So he's not going to lose that opportunity. It's the women that are the judge and jury on that. As men... We're not going to hold you to that standard. That's the way it goes. Now, let's talk about a couple other things. One, if you choose and when you choose to sleep with a man, that's your prerogative, that's your business, and a man will respect that. So, take for instance, you're on the fifth date with the guy, you're still not comfortable, but yet he wants to sleep with you on the fifth. And you're saying, no, I'm not quite there yet. Truth of the matter is, you're still trying to decide whether you like him or not. He's looking at it from the perspective, did I spend enough money on her yet? So, one thing that I would advise you ladies to do at some point is to clearly um, let men know that what it comes down to with you is that um, <clears throat> it's not about how much you spend. It's about who he is and what you think of him. I would advise you strongly to convey that because see, once you've done that you put things in perspective for him and it modifies his behavior 
that's when he's going to quit doing things such as, well, trying to advance the argument on based on sex. That's going to cease. He's going to be a little bit more focused on you. Because now he realizes that he can't lean on that anymore because it's not going to work. Now, another thing, too, that comes about now that I'm on this subject. When you are with these guys, ladies, quit being ashamed of your body. Quit telling them, you know, uh, you might want to just brace yourself for what you're going to say. No, don't preempt it. Just show him what you got. He's going to live it all the same. The only thing that men will usually have a problem with with a woman, as far as her physical appearance, hair, body hair, armpit hair, vaginal hair, especially vaginal hair. If this man wants to go down on you, ladies, shave it as clean as you can, get electrolysis, put some nair on it, trim it down, do what you have to. Because let me tell you something, if you find a man that's willing to eat you out, ladies, a couple of things is happening there. One, He's down for you. He's not looking for the quick hit and stick and move. Most guys, and you have some guys out there that do it with every woman, but most guys won't do that unless the woman is special. Now, and the reason why they won't is because one thing they don't want is an STD in their throat. Another one is this. They do this sometimes to see whether the woman will reciprocate. Ladies, be upfront with your man. Let him know that if you don't suck dick, let him know that. I get a lot of emails from brothers, black men who are married to black women who don't engage in that. But yet these women will shape themselves and let the guy go down on them. And as you know, we call these guys headless brothers, just like the headless horsemen. And I will tell you this. I have several friends who are in these types of marriages. And it's unfulfilling. And the reason why I know it's unfulfilling is because Some of these guys go out and get with other women who do this for them. Some of the rationale has been, it's nasty. They're afraid the guy's going to pee in their mouth. They're afraid the guy's going to ejaculate in their mouth. They're afraid they're going to get STD in their mouth. They're afraid that he's been messing around. They don't like the taste, it's too salty. You name it. I've heard it. They've said it. Now, what it comes down to, though, 
a lot of times <laughs> they don't feel like doing it because they're lazy. Now that's the truth. I had a black woman tell me one time, and this is no joke, no exaggeration. We were in bed one night after we had finished having our fun. And we got on a topic of oral sex. Well, she didn't have any problem. She was going down, I was going down, we had no problem. And she told me, she said, you know, I have girlfriends that refuse to let a man go down on them because they don't feel like washing down there. And I'm like, really? She said, yeah. They don't want to have to return the favor. Now, there's some women out there who don't like the taste of their own vagina. And that's the reason why they won't let the guy go down on them. Because I think, let me see what that stat. I gotta look the stat up. I believe it was 53% of women who masturbate actually have tasted their vagina. We'll go check it out again. I think it was 53% a few years ago. Not uncommon. A lot of women will go lick their fingers before they do themselves and put, them, put their little finger on that spot that's going to do it for them. Especially women who are stimulated by the clitoris. Because men, you have to understand, women have internal and external orgasms. And they both happen very differently. Depends on the woman. Okay. Other things that we need to discuss. As you know, ladies, I always tell you, if you're having sex with a man for the first time and he does not introduce a condom into the equation, he's disrespecting you. You can just go and cut it off right there. He's disrespected you. That would be the equivalent of him calling some other woman's name. Plain and simple. You don't have to take that shit. Oh, you just gonna go up in me raw without a condom? <laughs> man, please. First thing, we're off the fat. Now, ladies, one thing I will advise you not to do. Don't tease a man if you're not going to give up the ass. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Don't invite him over to your place and meet him at the door and you're only wearing a G-string and a robe. And the only thing he's supposed to do is just massage you and that's it. If you're not ready to up off some pussy, I would not recommend calling them over there. And guys, if the woman does this to you and she's teasing, the minute she says, no, stop, or we're not doing anything tonight, it's only going to be platonic, and she lured you over there under other pretenses besides telling you until after you got there that it's just going to be a hands-off situation, Fellas, pick your shit up, take your dick, throw it over your shoulder, and go home. Don't talk to her no more. Don't deal with her no more. You don't want to hear that shit. Because this is how many guys get rape charges. 
Because at that point, the only thing she has to do, if you don't agree with her, is to say you did something. And that's enough to get your ass in trouble. Just her allegation alone is enough. All thing she has to do, you didn't do anything to her, you're walking out the apartment, she yells out, oh, you raped me, you tried to rape me. She only has to say that. Guarantee you one of those neighbors are going to call the cops, you're asking to be detained, and you're going to be at her mercy. There are some women who like to control like that through manipulation. These teasers, that's the reason why I tell you, women who tease, you don't want to be around. They are the worst people on earth. I respect a prostitute on the street selling her ass over a woman who just teases. Because at least that prostitute is doing something with her life. The other one's not. Even though it's in a negative context. Because those teasers will get you killed. Those teasers will get you locked up. Any woman that's playing games with you, telling you, okay, we can do this, oh, you need to stop, uh, no, I don't feel like doing that right now. And then she grabs your hand and wants you to do it. Don't fuck with her. Just leave. Leave it alone, dude, because there are too many women out there who are not going to play those childish games where you won't get caught up in some charge. Because, see, that's the way you look at it. And ladies, here's the thing you have to understand. With men now, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of ladies were upset about men not wanting to have children. 51% of African-American men are single. And I forgot what the percentage of them don't have children. I'm one of the ones who don't have children who's single. But I will tell you this. We look at kids as a bill, as a liability. We look at a potential compromise with a woman when it comes to sex as a potential trip to jail. So, what do we look at? You remember I tell you about the five things we try to protect in life, men and women? Your wealth, your freedom, your wealth, your mobility, decision-making skills, and your reputation. Well, see, if a man messes up and has a kid, can't afford to pay his child support for whatever reason, I don't mean no don't want to pay his child support but can't pay it. In that event, everything's ruined, right? Freedom potentially, they could lock him up for not being able to pay. Woman files a rape charge or sexual harassment charge, any kind of charge. Her word against his, in this current environment, they're going to believe her. So this is the reason why a lot of men or keeping their distance from women. And ladies, you think this is cute because you're empowered and the feminist movement's there? Guess who's filling that vacuum for those women that'll be willing to go in there and take that risk to be with that man? These trans women. This resurgence of these trans women. 
they're coming in and they see that weakness. And they're like, well, these men are backing off off of them, but we'd be more aggressive if we can go and get these straight men. And that's the way they're looking at it. And you think these women are your allies, or these people are your allies. They're not. Many of them are looking to replace you. Let me make something abundantly clear. I'm not talking about everybody in the transgender community because there's some very good people in there and some very good people in the gay community. I'm talking about these opportunists, these people that are all of a sudden gay or all of a sudden trans. These are not people that have been planning this for years before they had it done, surgeries and so forth. I'm talking about these opportunists. They're just going in there trying to fill that void. And in turn, what you have, you have men that are going out and specifically dating single moms because they're afraid that they may wind up and get caught up with a transgender person. You have others that are dating older women for that same reason. Because these guys are heterosexual and they're scared of going that direction. Can't blame it. I dated older women in my youth because they were a safer bet than possibly getting someone in my age group pregnant. Plus, these older women knew more about things in the bedroom, so things worked out very well in that regard. So that's what's happening, folks. I'm going to talk more in just a moment. Hi, everyone. Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, we're going to do a recap. Uh, remember, I talked about in a recent podcast the Lynn Rennick case in Missouri. Uh, Just in case you don't remember, she was the lady who killed her husband, or conspired to kill her husband, I would say, and prompted her boyfriend to do so. Men, never allow your woman to impede on those five values I always tell you you have to protect. Your freedom, your wealth, your mobility, your decision-making skills, and your reputation. In this case, this man allowed this woman to jeopardize all five. And now her boyfriend is facing life in prison. Now, she went up for her trial. And please excuse me, my stomach's rumbling. I just had lunch. But what has happened in this particular case is a prime example of what you should be mindful of. You're having an adversarial relationship with your partner. I don't know whether she tried counseling or not, but here's the thing, let me tell you. When it gets to a point that you guys are so adversarial and so filled with grief, anger with each other, 
at some point, yes, you need to go to counseling and look at probably separating. You try to resolve the issue yourself. You can't resolve it. The next thing, you could try a mediator if you want to, like family member, friends. And then counseling should be the last step. If you guys cannot work it out through counseling, you're going to have to look at divorce. But people hang on to relationships. In this case, she started an ad on Ashley Madison and found a guy. And she went on and had numerous affairs, apparently, with other men in this marriage. Now, this was a coping tool, and this is a coping tool for many people who are dissatisfied or unfulfilled in their marriage or relationship. It's common for them to go out and seek an alternative. Find that person that they can relate to and someone that they could identify with that's not looking at them like they have three heads. Now, the problem here was she was very, very convincing with her deposition, the way she looked, her whole disclosure of what happened. And the disposition of her in the courtroom, I will give her credit. Her attorneys did a good job with her. And she had that innocence, that almost harmless innocence, like you would see a woman in that movie, Single White Female. Now, here's the thing. She had about six things going for her. Let's look at them. One, she was a single mom. But now she is, at least. Two, she was a white female. Three, she was moderately attractive. Four, she used some of her sexual charm in the courtroom. The voice all the way down to her demeanor. Also, she didn't look like she posed a threat. The benefit she had in this case was the fact that they already had the bad guy locked up. Even though she conspired, it made her look like she had a marginal role compared to what the person did who actually committed the murder. Now, she had tried several times to kill this man, consulted with her employees at the salon, and they both got immunity. So it was just left up to her. The fall guy already was convicted and got his sentence. So she was the only one that was really up for grabs. Now, they were quick to emphasize that the kids would be by themselves. Being that she looked apart, even though a woman like this can easily get a man. And I told you about this in the past uh, podcast. She was very, how could I best, best say it, hospitable. She looked like the kind of woman you can go on a first date with and sleep with her and there are no worries. She just had that kind of demeanor. And she was rather charming. Now, Here's the thing, and I know some of you saying, well, if it was a black man, he would have gotten life in 15 years, which is true, more than likely. Because, see, he would still look like he posed a threat to society. 
defeated Boogeyman. Well, see, the defense already had their Boogeyman locked up. So the only thing she had to do was come along just like she was the innocent one. But her problem was she had lied through police throughout the whole process. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment, folks. You've been charged with first-degree murder going into this case. And yet, you're allowed to go home. There were restrictions on her. But for the most part, most people that are pending a first-degree murder trial, uh, they don't get that luxury. They stay locked up. Usually, they don't allow any bond. Now, we have to look at a couple of other things here as well. Throughout the testimony, because they had her on the witness stand for four hours, and of course, most defense attorneys say no to that idea. But in her case, it worked. There were a lot of things that were inconsistent with what she said, of course. But the overall picture, they looked at the fact that, one, she didn't have the gun. She didn't commit the crime. Even though she was a conspirator, they had to give her some time. So what they gave her was 13 and 3. Now, January 24th, the judge is going to hear arguments. He can't go anymore on the sentencing. The only thing he can do is go down. So this second-degree murder charge is the equivalent of a manslaughter charge in California. Now, one thing that saved her was they could not prove criminal intent. That's more than likely the reason why the prosecutors went down to the lesser charge of second degree. With this, the judge has the option on the 24th to commute the sentence or have it run consecutively. I'm thinking more than likely he will commute it and she'll probably have to do half of her time, six and a half years, and probably get the rest on parole. Now, another thing to think about is this. This sends a message to women on another factor that helped her was that she didn't have a criminal past. So the innocence thing actually worked to her advantage in this case. But there's some things you have to understand. If you're in a volatile relationship and this person has conspired at some point to do harm to you, it's no laughing matter, it's no joke, it's serious. Sloughing it off, thinking that, oh, well, you know, so be it. Don't take it for granted. I was on Discovery ID the other night, and this lady had sex with this man. She wanted to get rid of her husband. They were separated. But she couldn't divorce him because he had a considerable amount of wealth. And she knew if she divorced him, she would just get what was agreed to in the prenuptial, which was like a million three. What she had this guy to do, she brought the husband's car in for service. And she talked this guy into loosening the brake lines on the vehicle. Now where they lived was a very steep place, so you had to use your brakes coming down the hill. Well, the husband took his vehicle, 
went down a hill, lost control of it, crashed, he died. She got the insurance money, everything went cool. And another factor in this case, she wasn't going to get the beneficiary, she wasn't going to be the beneficiary of the money that went to the children for his life insurance in this particular case with uh, Rennick. However, and the one I'm telling you about now, she collected the insurance money. It was something like $700,000. And she thought for sure that she was going to be the heir to his estate, being that he passed away and she was still legally married. However, what he decided to do while she was away, living her life, sleeping with other men, he chose to give everything over to his carekeeper. Now, this lady that he signed everything over, she was about 35 or so. His his wife was in her 40s. She had no idea that this other woman was in the picture until it came down to assets, until it came down to the property being distributed. She goes into this deposition and for the first time she lays eyes on a woman she never saw before. And this woman goes on to tell him that she's his lover, she's his caretaker, she was all these things. The woman finds out that she's not going to get the money she had planned on getting from the estate. What she did with the residual balance from the money that was paid out She took the boyfriend on trips, spent lavishly, went to Europe, different places. However, the boyfriend brought up the fact that, hey, you still owe me for taking out your husband. The agreed amount was in the neighborhood of $100,000. Well, she wasn't going to pay the hundred grand, so she started sleeping with this other guy. And she talked him into knocking off the boyfriend. Well, she thought everything was well and good between them. The guy got nervous, went to the police, spilled his guts to the cops. Cops wanted him to wear a wire, which he did. He goes back. They have intent established. They couldn't get her on the first murder, but the second one was definitely going to be it. So what the cops did, they hauled this guy in, the one that did the job on the brake line, He got nervous. He didn't get his money. Why are the cops coming to my front door? So he starts spilling his guts with the cop plea. His attorney tried to get him immunity. That didn't work. He was going to have to do time. He was responsible for the murder. He goes and he starts singing like a canary. The other guy in the interim provided enough evidence in that the woman had written him a check for $10,000 to kill this other guy. Took the check, turned it over. They had all they needed to go to court with this woman, so they picked her up for conspiracy. And she tried to deny everything that she had masterminded. 
There was only one problem. The guy that she had to cut the brake line knew more about her than she suspected. Only to realize that in the past, she had mentioned while they were on their trips how she had gotten rid of another boyfriend in the past. Pretty much in similar means, getting another guy to knock him off. But this time, she couldn't get out of it. They wound up giving her life in prison with no possibility of parole. The children inherited everything. The woman, the mistress, had the estate. She had the house, the ranch, cars, all of those good things. The kids got the assets, the monetary assets, put in a trust for them. What this shows you people is that some people definitely only marry and date you for financial and economic gain. It's the reason why I tell you fellows, when they start talking that material stuff, you really have to look at what their motives are. Nine times out of 10, if she's talking past you and towards your wallet, there's a good possibility that's all you're worth to her. Some people don't have the scruples. They don't care. The way they look at it, as long as it's not me, as long as I'm not the one without a seat when we're playing musical chairs, I'm happy. So that means if you're standing out in the cold, they don't care. This is something you really need to consider and look at. There was another case where a woman went out with a guy, met him on a dating site. Her girlfriend wasn't too sure about this guy because the problem was things were happening a little bit too fast. And the lady involved didn't really do her due diligence on the guy. Well, they found out, the girlfriend did, that this guy had a criminal past. Rape, domestic violence, sexual abuse in different states. The woman got upset with her girlfriend because she found this information out because she was really falling for this guy and she didn't want to hear anything negative. He started putting hands on her when he moved in with her. And she shrugged it off as, well, you know, he's still trying to adjust. It was my fault. I should not have raised the issue. That wouldn't have been an argument if I kept my mouth shut. Ladies, you get in those kind of relationships, you're enabling the abuser. And this is exactly what she did. Well, before it was over with, this guy bought a gun and he was planning on killing her because she was going to leave him. In his mind, women don't leave him, he leaves them. Usually either raped, battered, or dead. So what happened? He arranged for her to come over and they were going to have a nice dinner together at his place. By the way, she had already kicked him out after the first time he hit her. They were going to reconcile. 
He pulls out a gun during dinner, tells her to take off her clothes. He sexually assaults her. He lets her go. She calls the police. He's trying to flee out of town. They catch him. She goes, spills her guts, tells him everything that happened, all the abuse she's had. And at that point, that's when the detectives informs her that this guy had a long history of domestic violence. He had a long history of batter, battering women. He had a long history of rape, starting from when he was a teenager. The woman's girlfriend pretty much just told her, I told you so. This fool was contemplating bailing him out. This bond was pretty extensive. And she was really thinking about taking out a second on the house to get him out. Because she thought that she could change him. She could fix him. And this is when the prosecutor just took her to the side and told her, you let this man out. He's coming straight to your house and he's going to kill you. Then he doesn't mind getting locked up. She chose not to bail him out. And during the court proceedings, he unleashed how he really felt about her. She was in tears. She didn't realize how much anger he had towards women. The reason why he had this anger, it came from his childhood. An abusive mother and aunts that had sex with him as a child, all the way up until this man was in his 20s. And being that he was forced to have sex with these women, because they were family members, that anger seethed for many years. And then when he was actually able to get out on his own, he started making these women victims in regards to his pain that he had endured as a young man. Folks, the anger doesn't go away. Telling somebody to get over it doesn't work. The biggest challenge for people who have been abused is to not to become an abuser. And that can go in many different ways. You have some people that are hyper-protective you have other people who say, well, it happened to me, so what if it happens to someone else? You have others who totally alienate themselves from society because of that reason. So when you see some of these people run these personal ads talking about, I'm a loner, that's a red flag. The question I would ask is, why are you a loner? You'd be surprised some of the answers you get and some of the omissions you get. Relationships are a socialized practice. You work on your interpersonal skills. You communicate with each other. But if you have a person that's so removed and isolated, they become very centric in their thinking and in their beliefs. 
So even though something may not make horse sense to you, they may still look at it as rational thought from their perspective only. And with that, that's all they need to go forward in a relationship or any other kind of situation. They already know they're dysfunctional. They don't care to fix it. They don't care to work on it. It's part of them as they see it. So as they see it, I got to find someone that will be an accomplice to help me with this dysfunction, an enabler. The last thing this person needs is someone that's going to be frank with them and tell them up front, you need to go and get some help. Many of you ladies have been in abusive relationships where he cries and tells you, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. I don't know what came over me. They know exactly what came over them. That anger that they've had seething for years that they never had a chance to release until they found a proper victim to do it on. Because, see, they have to isolate you. Then they have to brainwash you. Then they have to get you to a point of doubting your own judgment and logic. Then they get you to self-policing, where you start telling yourself you know better not to do that because that'll piss him off or piss her off if you were a woman like this. And at this point, that person has a level of control over you that they don't have to be present. And they are quick to tell you about integrity, doing the right thing when they're not there. But what they're telling you is integrity based on the way that person sees it as it translates to their logic, not anyone else's. Then they start to work on your self-esteem. They still want you to be attractive when you make yourself up but they also want you to feel as though you're not that attractive. So in that way, they can further isolate you socially. And then they start doing things such as maybe moving to a remote location, having you not communicate with your family and friends on a regular basis, limit who your friends are, limit some of the things you guys can do together. So you can forget about long trips without him around because he's going to be there to try to monitor you every step of the way. He may do other things to control you, such as if you have your own automobile, tell you, oh, we only need one car under the pretense of it's just extra money we'd have to pay for another car. We can use one car. And it gets to that point where you're thinking that, oh, he really cares about me. He's going to drop me off at work and pick me up. He's going to control you because he's going to know. 5.45, she should be getting ready from, uh, to come home. 6 o'clock, she should be in the car with me. If she's late, she's cheating on me with someone. That's how paranoid these folks get. Now, the other thing, and the last shooter drop, is they have to turn you against society as a whole. That means police are bad. That means social workers are bad. That means battered shelters for women are bad. 
And the way they make sure that that resonates, they may come in with a component of, what are you going to do? Go over there with one of those lesbian women and let them turn you out? Now, another thing that they will do is express gratitude. You should be thankful that I've chosen to be with you. Now, who do you usually see with this disposition when it comes to men? Insecure, macho men. The guy beating his chest talking about he's an alpha male. But he doesn't want to ever feel like he's not in control because when he's not in control, it doesn't feel that way. You start to see his inferiority complex come to light. So as long as he can keep it where he's a tough guy in the streets, he's a badass, he's exhibiting a persona. You get to a point where you can't even make suggestions anymore, even in his own best interest. He's absolute. He becomes an absolutist. If it doesn't come from my mind, come from my mouth, it doesn't exist. <clears throat> That's the way they start believing and functioning. And then they get to a point where they start pulling an 80-20 in the relationships. And what that means is that he's only going to devote 20% of his effort towards you. The other 80% he's going to take externally, which means he'll start maybe an extramarital affair. He will chase the fantasies that he wanted with these women. He may even bring a woman home for a threesome because he's at that point where he feels as though he has so much control over you that you'll accept anything he chooses to give you. If his food is cold when you get back, when he gets home from work, that's an issue. If you haven't run his bath water, that's an issue. And he knows when he has you, when he does something like, tells you to come into the bathroom, run his bath water, disrobe him, and scrub him like a child. Control mechanism. And sadly, some of you ladies stay in these relationships because you don't want to fail at it. You don't want to give up. You think you can change him. You're hoping for a brighter day and not realize that your relationship is darkness all the way through. The only time you can speak freely is when you go over to your girlfriend's house. He's monitoring your cell phone bills, looking at who you called, probably calling the numbers behind you to make sure you're not talking to any other man. You'll be limited as to what you can do online. You may sneak and go get a phone that he doesn't know about, prepaid phone. Contact friends and family. People don't do these things in normal, healthy relationships. You're in survival mode. You're not in a relationship at this point. You started out by giving them 25% of you in the beginning. Then you get up to 50% when you're still pushing back 
because you think this relationship has potential to work and you want to get into therapy. He refuses. And now what you once tolerated, you start to accept. Because your commitment to this person is more important than anything else. I've talked to many women who are battered. I've dated several in my lifetime. And one lady I was with, she had gone through a 15-year marriage and got her ass whooped every day from honeymoon night forward. And she told me the reason why she stayed was the wedding vows that she took in sickness and in health. And one thing she mentioned was that in that vow, she didn't realize she would be the one who had to contend with his sickness and she had to worry about her health. The broken arms, the shiners, the busted lip, the busted nose. She showed me pictures of all of this. And she told me, I'm not ready for a committed relationship. Let's just have sex. And I asked her, why do you just want to have sex? Because most women, you got to work for it. You got to really go through some hoops. She said, because here is the thing. That's the only thing I wasn't traumatized by him. When we had sex, that was the only time we were at peace. I didn't have to use my mind. The only thing I had to use was my body. He had worn her down to that point. She ended that conversation by unzipping my pants. She didn't want to talk about anything else anymore. The next morning, she got up and told me, I guess you got what you wanted. I think this is the end for us. This was the way she was going to go through life coping with something that impacted her so greatly in the past. Because at that point, she felt in control. I may not control a man physically, but I control him sexually. So, we went our separate ways. Got a call from her about two years ago. How you doing? I saw you on Facebook. Hey, how you doing? She said, much better now. She says, I've learned to love myself for the first time. I learned how to like myself for the first time. And the way she was talking was as if she had just gotten out of prison. What she had done, she had gone to a rehabilitation center. And she was following a certain path in life. When you're impacted by certain traumatic events, during whatever time they give her, 
She's going to look back and see how stupid it was to try to attempt to kill her husband when she could have just divorced him. It would have been much easier. More in a moment. All right, folks. Now, let's talk about some of the fundamental problems that we encounter when trying to start a relationship. The first problem we encounter is that of establishing integrity. We haven't gotten to trust yet. Integrity. Doing the right thing. Now, how does that start? It starts with the first date. It starts with the first call. Saying you're going to do something and following through and doing it. The worst feeling in the world, and many of you people have faced this, is when you're stood up on a date. You're already dressed to the nines waiting for that partner and that person doesn't show up. And then they come back later on with an excuse. Hey, I overslept. You know, I didn't know. I thought it was tomorrow. I thought it was yesterday. A whole plethora of things. All the way down to I forgot my wallet. Many of you have heard it all, right? Let's be a little bit more concrete about things here. What it comes down to, folks, is that some people are just innately irresponsible. They want the attention of being put on a pedestal for that moment in time. I remember one time a lady who was married didn't let me know she was married. Met her on a dating site. We arranged to have lunch together. I showed up 15 minutes prior like I usually do. It was her responsibility to call me if she was going to be late. And 12 noon came. Not a peep from her. So I was going to stay until 12.15. So I decided to order for myself. She showed up at every bit of 12.45. I'm damn near done with lunch. Oh, I see you didn't wait for me. Well, no, you didn't contact him. Didn't contact me. I called her one time between 12 and 12.15. No answer, went straight to voicemail. The best thing to remember is 15 minutes prior to the date, it's up to them call you and tell you they're going to be late. 15 minutes after the date or any time between the time of the date and 15 minutes after, you're obligated to call only once. So she gets there and she tells me she had a hectic schedule and she had a rough day, etc., etc. And she comes in and she's like, oh, you started without me. I said, yes, and finished without you too. And she's like, oh, how rude. I said, so what you expected me to do was to wait here until you thought that you felt like coming in for the date. I said, so you would assume that I'd be here until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, no, not that. I just thought that you'd be more considerate. 
And so what she tried to do was turn around her lateness towards an argument about being inconsiderate. And I still kept bringing her back. You were late. Well, I was a little late. You were damn near an hour late. Yeah, I know, but, you know, let's not get into the mechanics of things. So tell me how things are going with you. Deflecting, right? Things are going fine. I still want to know, why were you late? Oh, I had to do some running around. Ambiguous answer, right? And so as we're sitting there, she orders. I was really reluctant to pay for a meal, but I went on and did it. The waitress was very nice. And Chastity, if you're still around, you were a stellar waitress. Anyway, she goes on and she's chatting it up about how hectic her schedule is. She's a real estate agent, etc., etc. And so the whole conversation centered around her. Now, what she was trying to do is create some distance between her being late and me being so appreciative of her presence. And so as we were talking, she says, yeah, I'm in the process of trying to move the things out of my house. And I said, oh, I didn't know you were moving. Didn't mention anything. Yeah, my husband and I, we're going through a divorce. My eyes triple bucked. Husband, you're not going to hold that against me, are you? I said, so you're married and you're sitting here with me talking about having lunch. Does your husband know you're here? Of course not, silly. Think I was going to tell him? I said, well, when were you going to tell me you were married? I just told you. I said, so if we would have had a date in the evening, she said, oh, no, I, I wouldn't have been able to get away to schedule that. I said, so you're basically using the dating app for what purpose? Well, it's just like meeting new people. I said, now, all of the things you talked about in those text messages, what you're going to do to me and everything, uh, where did that come from? Oh, I was just kidding around. We'll get around to that, doing that later. As she saw it, there was nothing wrong with what she did. And she's just carrying on, deflecting like nothing's happened. I said, oh, you don't have to worry about my husband. He's going to be out of my life soon. I said, so you're moving out. Have you guys even started dividing up the property? Uh, we're in the process of doing all of that. But I'm going to let him have the children. Because really, I need a break. Okay, that's another new one on me. So how old are your kids? Oh, they're 13 and 14. Beautiful kids, but they get on my nerves. Red flag for me. Mama doesn't like her kids. So what are you doing after lunch, after we finish lunch here? I said, well, my plan was to go and uh, have a nice day at the beach. That was what I was planning. Oh, I think that'll be wonderful. I'll follow you to the beach. Here I am thinking that that was going to be a deterrent, right? She followed me to the beach, and I went to the bar at the end of Santa Monica Pier. It's like a cantina. 
and I had a few drinks, and of course she ordered a drink herself. I went on and paid for it, but at this time I was feeling really uncomfortable being with a married woman. And she said, why aren't you holding my hand? You're married. What does that have to do with anything? That was her reply. Then she went on to say, I get so sick of you stuck-up single guys not wanting to be in the company of a married woman. And she had the audacity to say, after all, I know you want to see what it's like to fuck somebody's wife. And at this point, I said, you know what? I think we'll be better off as friends. And then she says, of course, with benefits, of course. And I asked her just straight out, I said, so how many single men have you slept with? She said, what does that have to do with anything? And you don't have a right as a man to ask me that question. And I told her, I said, I think I have the right to ask you almost anything after you've lied to me about two things. One, about your marital status. And two, about your children. I pulled up her profile on the dating app and showed her where it said she was single. She had no children and didn't want any. And she says, yeah, but if I would have told you I was married and had kids, you wouldn't have wanted me. She thought it was okay. Well, we left. I walked her to her car, wished her a good evening, and she was like, oh, you're not going to just give me a hug or kiss or something? So I gave her a hug and she put her tongue in my ear. And she said, this could be the start of something great. I get back home. Later on that night, about 9.45 or so, I get a phone call. It's this angry dude on the phone. What the F are you doing with my wife? I heard her crying in the background. You stay away from her. She's not your whore. I remember him saying those exact words. And I just heard in the background, honey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hang up the phone. This woman called me about three weeks later, totally glossing over her husband calling me prior. I'm sorry about that. It was a misunderstanding between my husband and I. We had an argument over some of the things that I was going to keep and he was going to keep. And I told her, I said, you know what? You're an accident looking for somewhere to happen. And it damn sure is not going to happen here. Have a nice life. And I hung up on her. She called back and left a message. About four or five days later, there's a message on my voicemail crying, talking about she's lonely and nobody wants her and she doesn't understand it and people are so against her because she's a married woman and dealing with a bad relationship and she's still got to come up with money for her divorce and she's going on and on pity party pity party I called her back to ask her to quit calling me and she said oh yeah I'm, I'm glad to get in touch with you you know, I need a place to stay right now because the house is up for sale and I don't have anything that I can actually 
put all my stuff in, such as furniture. And what I was wondering was whether or not I could put my furniture in your garage. Oh, hell no. She turned on a dime. This is what I hate about you single guys. You guys are always thinking about yourself. You're always selfish. This woman called me for the next two or three weeks. She was crying one minute, happy the next minute. Then told me one time that she and her husband were going to reconcile. Then the next minute told me that she wanted to move in with me, wanted to be with me, and didn't care what it took to be with me. I was like, no, I'm not dealing with you, lady. Then I just got to the point, blocked her number. And eventually she quit calling. This is some of the situations you will face when you run across people who are deceptive and who are desperate. They want you to get them out of a bad situation. I didn't put her in that situation. She lied her way into it. You will run across this, folks. This is the reason why on these dating apps, as soon as you find out someone's married and they said they were single, don't deal with them. If they lie about their marital status, they'll lie about anything. Many of you ladies have experienced men who have lied about this. They lie into perpetuity. That's all they care about. Themselves being selfish. And that's it. And it's funny, many of you write in, where do you meet these women? These are the very people you see every day in a Walmart, a Target, the supermarket, people you work with every day, people that are in your family, people that you already know that are like this. And you're saying, yeah, that person's really crazy. I wouldn't deal with them. And these are the very people that some people isolate themselves from. So this person is needy and they will go and leech off of anyone's emotions that they can. Because it's a franchise for them. She was used to being able to be that single woman that can get any single man to screw her. And when she got a hell no from me, it was something that she couldn't understand because she was never rejected by single men that wanted to screw a married woman. And she even justified it that day we were out at the the beach. Well, you don't have no strings attached. You don't have to worry about taking care of me. I can buy my own things. I can pay for this. I can pay for that. Trying to hit me with that selling point as if that was going to work. Ma'am, you signed a legal contract with someone else. You're married. You have no value to me. This is what I refer to as aftermarket pussy. She's already made a choice to be with someone, went through the whole steps of marrying them, and then going to turn around and think you should accept their situation because they feel as though they have a value associated with them, because they have a vagina, and because they have a belief that they can go out and just grab any man. Ladies, you have guys that have that dick that think they can do the same with any woman. 
that sense of entitlement. More in a moment. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.